0: Most of us wanna be blessed by God, but Trent Griffiths says we might need to turn our perspective upside down.
1: Are you so secure in your identity in Christ that you do not wrap your identity around what people think about you? If blessing is the goal, then rejection is a gift.
0: Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. I want to show you something. (laughs) Do you know what I just did? There's a pretty large cardboard box over my head and this microphone, and it's kind of dark in here, by the way. If you're wondering why I just did this, well, it's an illustration. Did you know that most of us do our thinking inside the box? In other words, we get awfully comfortable going about life with the same values as everyone else around us. In fact, because of the spiritual tendencies that we're born with, we don't even notice the box at all. We don't see how constraining it is. We don't realize that we can't breathe properly. In fact, it's hot in here. But Jesus came and challenged his followers to start thinking outside the box. Just about took out the microphone on that one. When we start truly living according to Jesus's standards, we suddenly see how backwards our thinking used to be, how limiting, and how enslaving. Pastor Trent is in a series from the Gospel of Luke titled, All Things New. We'll review some highlights from last week and then we'll finish this message. This is part two of Living Life
1: Upside Down. Here's
0: Pastor Trent.
1: To be blessed is the most important thing. To be blessed by God is the absolute essential thing that we need from God. What does it mean to be blessed? It means to be favored. It means to be graced. It means to be approved by God, to be applauded by God, to live a life that is favored by God. So when we say we want to be blessed, what we're saying is we need God's active, intentional, targeted grace to be dumped in our lives even though we are totally unworthy of it. So you want to be blessed by God? Here's the first thing that he tells us. You've got to be poor. How you doing with that? Um, The problem with that is we live in 21st century Western American culture. They live with the illusion of control. And if I had a little more money, I could have a little more control. And Jesus is saying, blessed are people who understand they actually have no control. Blessed are people who don't live with the illusion that they can control anything about their lives. Blessed are people that understand that we are powerless to pay our sin debt before God. And so it, it's not just talking about economic poverty here. We know that because over in the Gospel of Matthew, when Matthew records this sermon that Jesus preaches, what does he say? He said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. So he's talking about a spiritual poverty Blessed are those that know you're spiritually bankrupt. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, that understand they're spiritually bankrupt. Christians are those that never lose the sense that their destiny eternally is dependent upon the riches of God's grace. Christians are willing to leave everything of value to gain that which has ultimate value and christians freely share what they have with others so others can be made spiritually rich disciples have a willingness to live with less less money less control less power because we are trusting in something outside of ourselves for what we need now Who does that? How many of you are doing that? You will only be willing to live with less and to give away more if you believe the second half of the verse. Jesus says, blessed are you who are poor. Yours is the kingdom of God. We are citizens of this heavenly kingdom in which Jesus rules and reigns as king. And so Christians are willing to sacrifice their power and their possessions in order to be citizens of this kingdom. Now listen, understand how radical and upside down this thinking is. This is what he's saying. If blessing is your goal, you all said you wanna be blessed by God. What you do when God actually increases your earning power will determine whether or not you will be continued to be blessed by God. Those who are blessed by God have a spiritual hunger. So what will you do with the power that God gives you? Here's the second question. What will you do with your passions? Notice the second beatitude, verse 21. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be Satisfied. By the way, how many of you are actually hungry right now? Are you hungry right now? Are hungry? I mean, it's it's not time for lunch. It's hopefully you had breakfast. And so did, did you see the people that raised their hand? Are the people that are actually physically hungry right now, the people that have a rumbly tummy right now, are those people more blessed than the people who are not hungry right now? Is that what he's saying? Blessed are the hungry. Now again, over in Matthew, he gives us a little more detail on what Jesus actually said. He said, blessed are those who are hungry, who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So we got to ask the question, what is righteousness? Certainly there's a sense in which we understand it to be the imputed righteousness of Christ. But really the word righteousness just simply means things made right. If you have lived in this world for longer than 20 minutes... You realize this world is jacked up. This world is broken. It, there's something not right about this world. And we feel it. And it makes us hungry to live in a world where things work right. All the injustice that we see, all of the pain, all of the economic poverty, even. We wonder why there's 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 inequality and 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 abuse and racism and and we why 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 do people die even? You see, there's a hunger in the human soul that says, I wish things were made right, a hunger for righteousness. We live with a hunger in our soul for satisfaction, for security, even for significance. And the world tries to mask this hunger in us by feeding us a bunch of spiritual junk food. How many of you actually believe that a snicker bar satisfies? You actually believe that? Okay, I see that hand, I see that hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and you know what? I, I believe that for about 30 minutes, and then, then I want another sticker bar, or a Butterfinger this time, or a Milky Way, or crab legs, or steak, you know? It's like, you just keep upgrading the food until you realize, hey, every time I eat, a few hours later, I get hungry again. That is true with everything created in this world. Do you understand? God created nothing in this world to satisfy the deepest passions of your soul. Are you a passionate person? Do you have passions? What are you passionate about? I hope you're passionate about things because passionate people are those who are blessed by God. Jesus says, blessed are you if you don't try to mask your hunger. If you don't diminish your passion to be in a world that works right, this is the world that we're living for when Jesus comes to make all things right. The hunger that we feel in the human heart is actually a hunger for God. And it shows itself in subtle ways. It's, it's the desire of an eighth grade girl to be noticed at school it's the desire of an eighth grade boy to make the basketball team and make the winning shot and to be recognized it's it's the desire for a businesswoman to to finally reach profitability in her company and to feel like she's accomplished something it's the desire for a, a man to be acclaimed and acknowledged for his education or his contribution even in, even in the smallest things There is a hunger in the human soul that longs to no satisfaction. But here's what Jesus says. No matter how long you live in this world and no matter how much stuff you try to put in that hunger, it'll never satisfy. Disciples know that only Jesus will satisfy. And it's not going to happen in this world. It's gonna come at a later time, at a future time. Disciples are willing to live with the spiritual hunger until God satisfies it in our heart. So you know what that means? If blessing is your goal, unsatisfied passions are a gift. So whatever you're longing for, a better marriage, a better job, to be noticed, to to make the team, to to be acknowledged, You may have to live with that until you finally are satisfied by Christ in heaven. That means that every day when you get up in this world, you shouldn't try to diminish the hunger or to deny the hunger or to satisfy it with the junk food of this world. Let that hunger drive you to God, not drive you to entertainment, not drive you to better food and better cars and better clothes, but to drive you to God. He's the only one that can satisfy the hunger in our soul. What will you do with your passions? Here's the third question. What will you do with your pain? Blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you who are hungry. Thirdly, he says, blessed are you who weep now, for you shall Laugh. Matthew says, blessed are those that mourn. It's an acute emotional pain caused by seeing the world the way God sees it. We live in a world that is broken. It's interesting, right? How many of you have ever been in the room when a baby was born? Raise your hand if you were in the room. How is the first five minutes of human existence lived in this world? It's bawling your eyes out. It's like there's just something in that baby that knows I shouldn't be here. And I protest. There's a pain. There's a weeping. We are... The reality, it is human to weep. That's how we spend the first five minutes of our life, weeping, and Jesus says this, blessed are you that never stop weeping. Never stop protesting the pain that you live with. Don't deny it, feel it, and let the hurt drive you to God. I'm reading a book by my friend Mark Vroga. He just came out with a book called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, and the book is designed to help us embrace a biblical word that we've forgotten all about. The biblical word is lament. We even have a book in the Bible called Lamentations, based on that word. Over a third of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. Those are the ones that during your daily Bible reading, you skip over because they're so depressing like why is this person complaining against God is that even allowed and and like what that's about a third of what we have in the psalms to lament means that we have a grief that moves us between the pain and the promises of God that we don't deny the pain we we don't try to ignore it or or diminish it in any way but never to allow the pain to diminish our trust in the promises of God. And so Jesus says, blessed are you that experience pain and actually know how to process it through your lament. We should weep over the sin in this world. We should weep over things that are lost or things that are never found in this world because it's not designed to satisfy. But then in an even more personal level, there should be a periodic, regular pattern of weeping and mourning over my own sin. As God brings conviction on my soul and I recognize the ugly selfishness and self-righteousness and lust and greed and all the broken bent to, to be my own God. There should be periodic times where that drives me to tears. Question, when was the last time you shed a tear over the sin in your own life that makes God seem so distant to you? Blessed are those who weep, that own it, that feel it, that grieve over their own sin, and then let that grief and that pain drive you to God. Listen, if blessing is your goal, pain is a gift. Blessed are those that weep because they shall laugh. A disciple of Jesus understands that one day we will be in the presence of God who will wipe away every tear, And so we allow ourselves to weep now over the depth of our sin. We weep over the brokenness in this world, but we weep knowing that one day God will wipe away every tear from our eye. A couple of weeks ago, I had lunch with a a buddy of mine, a man in our church, his name is Aaron Jones. And one of the things I love about Aaron, uh, number one, he's twice my size. Secondly, He's got a pastor's heart. He loves God's word. And do you know what he does every Sunday morning? I think probably even right now. He is at Waterford Assisted Care Facility at Edison Lakes, ministering to a group of about 12 people that are residents in that facility, opening God's word, ministering to them, praying for them. So I had lunch with Aaron a couple of weeks ago. And after lunch, I said, what are you doing with the rest of your day? He's like, I'm gonna go visit some of my residents at, Waterford. I said, can I go? And he said, sure. So we jumped in the car and we went there. And he took me up to the second floor of this facility where we visited a man named Pete Stebbins. Pete's 94 years old. Pete, for 21 years, was the police chief in Mishawaka. Three weeks before that time, Pete had lost his wife of 62 years. And as we interacted with Pete, he shed a tear or two as he was telling us about his wife and all the things that he loved about her. But in the middle of weeping, there was a smile on his face and he would laugh at certain points and, and he, he would just continue to repeat this phrase, she was ready to go. And there was a sense of, of peace in the midst of his pain that knew She was having a great day. And one day he would soon be with her. Do you have that kind of attitude toward pain? Or is your attitude, anybody that causes you pain, gets pain back? Or can you trust God in the midst of your pain and understand you're blessed if you know what to do with your pain? not trying to escape it, not trying to eliminate it and try to cause pain for people that cause pain in your life. Blessed are you that weep, for you shall laugh. So we get up every day and we go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm not going to try to escape the pain. I'm not going to diminish the pain. I am letting my pain drive me to you. Jesus knew that these disciples he was calling were going to live a painful life because they were following him. Only thing they had to do to escape the pain was stop following him. Is that what you've done? You found it so painful to follow Jesus, you've stopped. And you've just kind of drifted your way back into the crowd And all you show up for is the healing part, not the hearing part. Here's the fourth thing. If you wanna be blessed by God, you've got to know what to do with people. He says in verse 22, blessed are you when people hate you. Isn't it interesting that the only people that our culture is allowed to hate are followers of Jesus? It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, this, this is the only tolerance we have in the culture for hate. I hate the Christians, right? So Jesus predicted that. And he said, if you're in that crowd, you are blessed. He's like, thank you for blessing me. Appreciate that. So blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, when they revile you, when they spurn your name, when they misunderstand you, when they mistreat you, when they fire you, when they don't call you and invite you to the parties, when they accuse you, when they gossip about you, when they slander you, when they abuse you. Now, listen, that's about as far as anybody in this room will ever get. But throughout the centuries, it goes a little further. Blessed are you when they arrest you. Blessed are you when they imprison you. Blessed are you when they torture you. When they burn you. Blessed are you when they kill you. Why? Because that's the doorway to heaven. And that's the place where we are accepted and approved by God. Listen, if blessing is the goal, you, you all said, I want to be blessed. Then rejection is a gift. Are you so secure in your identity in Christ that you do not wrap your identity around what people think about you? There will come a place in your life when you cannot have the approval of people and the approval of God at the same time. Are you more concerned with the approval of God or the approval of people? Listen, if you are approved by God, it doesn't matter who disapproves of you. If you are disapproved by God, it doesn't matter who approves of you. What does Jesus say? Look at verse 23. Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy. Is that the way that you responded when you got fired? Is that the way you responded when people cussed you out? Leap for joy. Jesus is being super serious here. He's like, you should be so happy because your identity is found in Christ. Yesterday at the men's breakfast, we had about 200 guys in here eating pancakes and bacon. And uh, it was a great time for me because I got to have an actual conversation with people that I'd normally just pass on Sundays. And I, I met this guy, and he said, I've loved coming to your church. I feel so well-fed here. And, and he told me he'd been coming for about eight months, but recently he'd gone through a divorce. He said his wife just walked out on him and said a bunch of nasty things that weren't true. And he said, that actually was the turning point for me that drew me to God. And he said, I, God gave me a mission statement for my life. And he just rattled it off. It was perfectly worded and, and it had to do with his identity. He said, I am loved by God. I am valued by God. My identity will be defined by God, not by what my wife said about me. Where do you find your identity? Are you you still you still want to be blessed by God? I want to be poor, I want to be hungry, I want to live with pain and I I am willing to let other people disapprove because I know that I am approved by God. Listen, only people that would do this would be disciples of Jesus, willing to share your home with the wholeness, willing to sacrifice your job for the sake of integrity, willing to lose a boyfriend or a girlfriend because you won't compromise your sexuality, willing to give up comforts of your life and move to a place where the gospel is not known so people can be discipled. Are you willing to do that? If you are, you're blessed. Listen, Christians are the ones that know there's a payoff in their poverty. Only Christians know that there's comfort in their tears. Only Christians know that there's satisfaction that this world can't provide. Only Christians know there's acceptance in the midst of being rejected. Why? Because Jesus was willing to be made materially poor so that I could be made spiritually rich. Jesus was willing to be rejected by men and hung on a cross so that I could be accepted by God. Jesus was willing to weep in the garden of Gethsemane over the wrath that he would have to endure for my sin so I could have every tear wiped away. Do you know him? Are you part of the crowd? Are you part of the curious? Or are you part of the core, the disciples that would leave everything and be blessed by God? I don't know what crowd you're in. I don't know what kind of opposition you face. If you live this way, somebody's going to call you silly, reckless. And so let's do as Jesus did and let's pray and ask God to give us the strength to live that way. Jesus, thank you for the example. We know that in in this passage, you've given us the way, the pathway to get blessed. God, thank you for the men and the women in this room right now that live an upside down life and value things that this world does not. And I pray that we would embrace the pain, that we would run to you with our hunger and God that we would find our identity in your approval rather than anybody else. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, you're loved.
0: Jesus advocated a kind of life that from the world's perspective is upside down. We just heard Trent Griffith explaining that paradigm shifting way of life. Trent is a senior pastor of a church called Gospel City Church. At Gospel City, we're committed to glorifying God and making disciples or followers of Jesus. If you're looking for a church to call home, why not think about Gospel City Church? For more information about service times and where we meet, just go online to mygospelcity.org. Again, that's mygospelcity.org. You can click or tap where you see I'm new here. And there's also more great content on our Facebook page. You can find that by searching for Gospel City Church. Well, next week, Pastor Trent will talk to us about what some people might think of as their favorite verse in the Bible. It's where Jesus said, judge not, and you will not be judged. I hope you'll join us then. Well, thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's outside the box, upside down thinking would resonate in your heart this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.